Yeah. Yes, sir. Uh. Little mother guys ain't got no style. We know what's up before we go down. This is the rundown. This is the rundown. If you ain't know the deal, I bet you know now. This is the fans' voice. You hear them vocals. This what the people need and what they want now. This is the rundown. This is the rundown. If you ain't know the deal, I bet you know now. This is the rundown. This is the rundown. This is the rundown. If you ain't know the deal, I bet you know now. Yeah. Yeah. Turn up. Uh. What's good, people? What's going on? I thank y'all for joining me back here once again on the Rundown Sports Podcast. I am your host, CL. You can find us on the rundownsports.wordpress.com, at the Rundown Sports on Twitter. You can find me at CL, the main event on Twitter. And as always, subscribe on iTunes so you can stay up with the latest and greatest as we talk about everything under the sun from sports to hip-hop to A-Town and everything that's going on around the block. But uh, not going to hold the show up anymore because today I got a guest, a new homie of mine that I'm just linking up with for the first time. Uh, I got Brian Anderson on the line via Google Hangouts from Rant Sports. How you doing, man? I'm great, man. Everything cool. How you doing? I'm pretty good, man. I'm Pretty excited to get you on the line and uh, talk about a few things that you've been writing about. Some of these things, man, I really don't agree with 100%, so I'm interested what you got to say when I bring them up. But uh, before I grill you and all that, why don't you tell the people a little bit about yourself, man? How you guys started, uh, what you're doing right now, and uh, what you look to be doing in the future? I got started out just writing, man. You know, it didn't come from nothing to do with sports. So always been a writer. Started out with a little blog and everything. Got some, you know, positive reactions from people. So I figured, you know, I just, you know, combine the two, my love for sports, my love for writing, you know, put them together. Got a few sample writings together, you know, about some couple of topics before the football season started. Now I applied to Rant Sports, a couple other sites, and, uh, Basically, woke up the next morning. You know, they loved the work, brought me on board, and it's been rocking out ever since. As far as where I'm going, uh, just take it day by day. You know, I just get my thing done, get some feedback. You know, some of it's negative, like you say. You mm-hmm. agree? With, you don't agree with some of the things I said, but you know, it's all love. I respect that. I respect people's opinion. You know, as long as they respect mine's, you know, that's where it's going. Whatever it's going to take me, is where it's going to take me. As long as I'm trying, doing my thing every day, you know, I'm good with that. That's what's up, man. And that's crazy, man, how you was doing something else and then fell into doing something with sports because that's kind of my story, how I got on the rundown. You know, I got in the booth all the time. You know, I'm doing my thing on songs. Uh, I'm, you know, writing, producing, performing, all that different stuff. And then, you know, I picked the mic up and said, you know what, I'm going to talk sports on this too. So yeah. uh, I see we got something in common right there. But uh, I really had to bring you on this week 
because I've been watching the Oklahoma City Thunder as much as possible. That's always good. You know, and I could not help but notice that Kevin Durant is out of his mind right now. Going insane, man. Like Iceberg Slim got the whole city about to melt because it seems like every night he going for like forty something. Yeah. Now, I know Russell Westbrook is out, and that's putting a little bit more of the load on there. But they're winning games, and it's not because Kevin Durant is just shooting them into victories. They're playing good ball. Can you tell me a few things what's going on? Cause I've only been able to catch the ones on ESPN, given where I live at. Uh, so it's not like I get to watch them night in and night out. And I know you're following there every game, so you probably have a better perspective, man. What's going on with them? I mean, well, this all started uh, last season in the playoffs when uh, Westbrook went down initially. You know, with the torn meniscus versus the Rockets, and you know, people. People judged him a lot, you know, bashed him for, you know, getting thrown out in five games versus the, the Grizzlies. But mm-hmm. what that did was set up their success for this year. Because basically, once once Reggie Jackson stepped in there, nobody knew who this guy was, you know. And nobody figured he would come in there and average, you know, around 15 points that series. And, and actually, even though we lost, he, he actually gave us a chance. It's more than a chance than we would have had regardless, you know. Oh, you we, you must be a fan. Big fan, huge fan, lifelong fan. I've I've been with them since 90, 91, 92, when since the Sonics, Gary Payton, Sean Kemp, you know. So oh, yeah, I, I remember them squads, man. See, I was up in Michigan at the time, and you know, the fan was riding with the Bad Boy Pistons, and and uh, every time they played, there used to be a lot of stuff going on. So I, I remember them trash talking games. <laughs> yeah, the glove was the best at it, man. That, that's what got my attention. You know, just his fire on the court, man. Just that's why I love Russell Westbrook so much too. You know, he he brings that passion to the game. You know. Oh yeah, Fury Styles. Yeah. So I mean, now this... you, I'm about to say you mentioned Reggie Jackson. He's been playing pretty damn good as of late, and like you said, going back to the playoffs last year. Have you seen like anything that you could point out specifically that he's doing that's helping the Oklahoma City Thunder? Well, he's just controlling the game. You know, he just brings just a, a different speed that Westbrook brings, and it throws teams off. You know, it's like you got this powerful, speedy, athletic guy, you know, just running through your defense. And then once he goes out, you got this guy who's just so great. He's just so – he's kind of slow, but he, he just gets it done. And people call he's him effective. a little – Yeah, he, you know, he's – people call him a little version of uh, Russell Westbrook because, you know, he just finds a way to get to the lane, get buckets – you know, has an okay jump shot that's developed. So, you know, he's, he's a big help. Okay. And uh, last thing I really want to know, I'm trying to look for in the Thunder is, what is Scotty Brooks doing down there to, like, is it something that he's doing that's getting Kevin Durant all these points? Are they just flowing more offense, or is it just Kevin Durant getting in his mode and they just giving him the ball well the best thing scott brooks has always done is still behind his players you know he has confidence in them guys you know even though they're young he's a young coach too and just mm-hmm. for him to have the confidence just to let them guys go out there and do what they do best 
you know, he he just pushes him. You know, you hear his sideline. He just he just says he just stays on top of him. Keep doing what you're doing. Don't don't get out of character because you know what you're good at. Do what you're good at, and you know you're going to be successful. And he lets the rant. He lets them guys go out there confidently and just produce every night. He doesn't get to ne- get in their way. You know, he gets beside them and he pushes right along with them. He's the perfect coach for that squad. Mm. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. Ever since I seen Scott Brooks down there, it seems like that that culture has done nothing but grow stronger. And it seems like everybody they brings in buys in. And they're becoming one of those squads that's probably going to grow old together, kind of like the Spurs. They're going to have a few people in and out, but their core will probably be there for the long run. And yeah. That's kind of what I see with them right now. And I, it's probably not going to change. But to wrap this up, I'm going to say this. LeBron was talking about how he got the app on his phone to let him know when Kevin Durant is going off. <laughs> I'm going to just say it so I get have it on record. I'm going to start working on that app for real to let people know in the second corner Kevin Durant is going off. <laughs> you know, and then pretty much have it programmable for every player. You know, Stephen Curry, yeah. Carmelo Anthony, LeBron, so on and so on. Now, speaking of Carmelo... I read something that you had wrote the other day and you said that his 62 wasn't as impressive as what Kevin Durant has been doing or when he got his career high. Why do you say that? Well, to me, it's simple. Uh, and actually, I got a lot of just negative bashing, just feedback, just, just the worst things I've heard since I've been a writer for that article. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, and... I actually thought I had some good points, and I, I stand by my points, but I didn't expect such, you know, harsh reactions. But the reason I say this is because, you know, Carmelo scored his 62 points. He had 35 shot attempts to do that compared to Durant's 28 on his 54 points. Right. At the point, you know, Carmelo went out the game with, what, six minutes left in the fourth, he still got 35 shot attempts. So... Durant's, Durant's came in the flow of the game. His his points came in the flow of the game. It wasn't forced. You can just tell, like, at one point he looked up and he didn't even know he had it. Carmelo was keeping track. You can just tell you know, he was trying harder than he should have to. He was trying to prove a point. And you can also tell that with his zero assists compared, mm. to, compared to Durant's six assists during that game. And mm. it, so many other things come, in, come into play, like just the quality of team, of the team. Not only the team that you know, they're on, but the teams they were playing against. You're playing against the Bobcats for Carmelo and Durant's going against the Warriors. Right. And <laughs> you know <laughs> I was saying that to my partner earlier and I had told him Carmelo's gonna put sixty two up on a team like the Bobcats because I couldn't even think who they small forward was off the top of my head. So that just tells me right there, yeah, Carmelo probably didn't even have the toughest assignment on defense. So he probably had a lot of energy left. But mm-hmm. I know one thing, you're right about that. The fact that he had zero assists was troubling. Yes. Because that just means they was either giving him the ball and he was just taking the shots or it really was just coming to him. Now, his teammates were egging him on, 
and they were kind of into it, like giving the ball because he hot, especially when he had hit that one damn near from half court. Yeah, I was like, you know, it, it might be one of them nights. But when you're playing like when you're playing like Bear playing, you know, they, they're not going to want to take the pressure. So they see Carmelo is hot. They're going to want to get the ball out of their hands and into his hands, you know, so the, the, the blame won't fall on them if they, will, if they lost that I'm game. Like, you, you might as well. And I agree with the other point you saying that Carmelo's team is a completely different makeup than what Kevin Durant has around him. Yes. And you would almost think that he would be creating more offense for other people with him being able to shoot the way that he does, but he doesn't. And it always did puzzle me how he can't get rid of the ball a little bit quicker and kind of get some guys involved. He just wants to shoot or he's dribbling for eight seconds. And I think that's wearing down on his teammates for one, but I mean, at the same time, he don't have everybody that can create their own shot. And I always said Carmelo just needed an A1 point guard. Yeah. And when I say A1, yes, he had Chauncey Billups for a minute. But at the time, Chauncey Billups wasn't the Chauncey Billups that he was when he was in Detroit. No, not at all. That wasn't the same one. He needs a Chris Paul type. Uh, a Rajon Rondo type somebody with a high basketball IQ to know when it's time to get Carmelo the ball and when it's time to just let him do his thing yeah I feel like if he just had a floor general running with him it would be awesome so when they always floated out that CP3 and Carmelo thing I kind of said that would be a wrap for a minute but that's probably never going to happen. No, I don't see that happening. Now, another thing that I seen, and I disagree with this, was you're saying that the Miami Heat probably won't repeat again. And I agree with you about the D-Wade injury. But then I, I kept reading, and I'm going to quote you on this, the Indiana Pacers, Oklahoma City Thunder, and Portland Trail Blazers are better teams than Miami. The first two you can argue me argue me with, but Portland, I'm sorry, I can't do that. <laughs> so you're gonna have to explain Portland and your reasoning by why you think they're better than the Heat. All right. Well, with the probably, I didn't, I didn't say probably. I said they they won't repeat <laughs> as they three won't. time champions. They will not. Repeat I've had some contrary. <laughs> Uh, positions on that on the podcast but go ahead okay so seeing as they will not repeat it's more about the Miami Heat than it is those other teams um you got the D-Wade injury his knees are he's, he's missing so many games and it's affected him it, it affects LeBron when he's not on the court it affects LeBron and the whole team when he is on the court and it, you can see it in LeBron's stats everybody's praising LeBron for being so good shooting his you know, career high in field goal percentage, but what about the fact that, you know, he's averaged around career lows in rebounds and assists, mm-hmm. you know, what about he's up in almost career highs in, in turnovers? You know, what about he's in a career low for blocks and steals per game? What about the things he, he's not doing that he's usually accustomed, that we usually accustomed to seeing him, him do year in and year out, game after game? It's affecting him, and 
people are not putting this out. So if you're not putting mm-hmm. things out, then they're, it's just gonna fly over your head. Everybody's somehow, they always wanna focus on everything that's great about LeBron and all they can stick to is this field goal percentage, he's shooting 58%. No, let's talk about what he's not. I'm about to say, bro, he's shooting at a ridiculously high clip. Yes. And not to just cut you off, but from what you're saying and what I'm reading from what LeBron is doing, they are really pacing themselves. I really 100% believe that they are not in a rush to get tired before the playoffs, and that's why D-Wade is not playing. And that's why LeBron is not playing super hard. I'm telling you, they are waiting. All The only thing I see that they're whipping into shape is Greg Oden because they're going to need a solid 12 minutes from him when they have to play Indiana. Yeah, um, but, uh, you know, you've heard through their losses, some of their losses, you know, there's been some just, you know, bad losses. And even their wins, is, you know, are even close to being losses uh, sometimes. And... You know, you even hear the Heat, their sense of urgency sometimes, and LeBron especially saying things like, you know, we we got to do something different. You know, we, Heat fans, you know, don't worry. We know we're slipping. You know, if it was like we're coasting, you know, they would say something to, to calm their fans down. But they know there's, there's an issue. So they're not going to go and say, yeah, we're coasting, don't worry, when they know, in fact, that, you know, there's trouble. There's trouble in Miami. And last year... They had a total of 15 losses. Where had not even halfway through the season, they had 12 losses already. And that, mm-hmm. That's a big thing for me. I mean, and then the only thing saving them from even having more losses is just how terrible the Eastern Conference is. If these teams were playing up to their potential, yeah. the Heat would be in a lot worse position than they are right now. Eastern Conference is brutal right now. Brutal. And, they, and the Heat are still not playing up to their potential against just a sorry Eastern Conference. Yeah, but I'm I'm a firm believer that Miami just being on the fourth run at it together, they are really about the pace because you could tell last year they was really revving up and they was feeling it. And I think they were exhausted when that season was over and they said, you know, we got to keep everybody healthy. Everybody's got to get in their groove. And I think everything is going to change after the All-Star break. I'm so ready to see what they look like going into April and late March because I think that's when it's going to be at that point where it's going to be time to turn up everything, get in that routine of, you know, D-Wade being there a little more often. You know, you probably won't see him in the back-to-backs, but you'll probably he won't be missing four games in a row. Yeah. I think they're going to take their time and really get to that. I'm going to have to check you on them LeBron James stats on those career lows, but I'm going to take your word on it. Close, close to career lows, some of his, you know, bottom, bottom three years. Okay. You know, stats, you know, his his rebounds and uh, yeah, assists. I don't I don't see LeBron playing with the same intensity, but I mean I, I really don't see nobody but Indiana stopping them from getting to the finals. And in my last podcast, my homie Slim has a bridesmaid theory, and I'm gonna wrap this up, and we're gonna get into some NFL. 
and he says that the Indiana Pacers are going to be bridesmaids to LeBron James just like they were back in the day to Michael Jordan when they had Reggie Miller. Yeah. So he feels like they probably won't ever break through until either LeBron retires or he moves on, you know, from the heat, which I think he's not going anywhere because Miami is all about mob ties. You come to Miami, you set for life. Okay. We'll see about that. Hey, Pat Riley is the Don, and you just look at that sideline and that coaching staff, everybody is homegrown. Everybody, from Alonzo Mourning to Spolstra, everybody's been in that organization 10-plus years. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Now, uh, you was a little emphatic when I – I seen some things that you were writing about in the NFL, and I'm going to have to skip around because I want to see what you had to say about that that Richard Sherman fine. Now, I missed this. I must have been under a rock for a day and a half or just in the bunker mixing down something. But I didn't know that he got fined until you had brought it up to me. Yeah, because he's fine. yeah. $7,875. $7, I'm like, what's up with this? He already said he was sorry, and that was like a week ago. Yeah. So why are you mad now? If you was going to find him, you should have found him when the video first came out and all this come over. Now I feel like you're reacting instead of being proactive. Yeah, exactly. That's not the right move to do. That's a real black eye for the NFL in a in a small sense, that's why that fine was so small. And they're trying to just send a message that you got to be a little more professional with your sportsmanship, and I kind of agree with that. But I think they should have just made their comments. Like you said, just make some comments and leave it at that. Yeah. So... How do you feel about the whole Richard Sherman situation in a whole? It's just a bad situation for everybody, really, because it's already been blown out of proportion, you know, from the second it happened. Um, just the fact he was fine days, you know, after, you know, too late for that. You know, leave it alone. You know, say something, but leave it alone. Goodell, Roger Goodell, who's you know, not not very liked within the NFL, especially by the players. And the article... Like the owners love them. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the article, what I said was, it, you know, it just creates more enemies for him, you know, because it's wrong. You know, he claims he's finding Richard Sherman for the taunting when he did, when he made the choke signal, you know, towards the 49ers players. But right. it's deeper than that. Trust me, it's deeper than that. It's, a, it's about the whole situation. That's why it took him so long to evaluate the whole thing, see what everybody's saying, get some, get some feedback from people he, you know, consulted with, and he came up with a fine, and he had to put a label on it. So he said it was for taunting, but really, it's about the whole situation. And Rich, Richard Sherman is a victim. You know, yeah. he's a victim right now, and, and you know, you gotta. Is he a victim on. of his own success, or is he uh, just a victim? He's just a victim of hatred. <laughs> just period pure hatred people calling him a thug for for words when you know he everybody knows this guy you know he's, he's a nice guy he's, he's a smart guy 
you know, who's went to Stanford, who's you know, just been an upstanding citizen, according to, you know, people close to him, you know, all his life. Just because he's outspoken, you know, in a situation maybe where, you know, NFL want to put a muscle on their players. You know, these guys, you know, they're emotional. Roger Goodell can't, can't mimic that, you know, being in that situation and what he would say in that situation. You know, if somebody pushes you away when you approach them to say, shake their hand and say, good game. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody else can put themselves in his shoes. You know, you know, let that man, you know, own up to his own words. And he did that and he apologized. That where that's where it ends. Right there, that's where the whole situation should have ended. Period. Yeah, I'm I'm with you all the way on that. I don't feel that this whole media circus that even surrounded that should have even happened. And all it does now is pretty much play him up like a, a villain to Peyton Manning going into the Super Bowl. So I'm anticipating that. I'm anticipating that on the Twitter and all the meatheads and the bottom 2% and the mouth breathers to really come out and show their true colors. But I'm not going to go so hard on them right now. We're going to keep it positive because it's the rundown sports. And, uh, you know, we turn up in here. But uh, I'm going to ask you one thing, and then we're going to jump into a little bit more Super Bowl talk, and I'm going to ask you who you got, if you feel like picking yet. But another thing that I seen that you wrote about was RG3 back when the season ended. uh, I think it was the day that he got benched. Yeah. And you pretty much – took the assumption that he'll never become an elite quarterback. Now, I tend to disagree with that only because he has elite talent and I feel with the right coaching, he can become an elite quarterback because he possesses that elite talent. All he needs is the coaching to get him in the right direction. Now, you think otherwise... What makes you think that RG3 couldn't stay on that trajectory and get to the point where he could be elite? Well, you know, number one is because of, because of this year he just had, you know. Uh, I but, feel that was a, a mess from the start. It really didn't feel right. Yeah, it was just a catastrophe from the beginning, and it truly was. And um, this last year, even when he was doing so good and everybody, you know, was already, they hopped on his bandwagon, people don't, People don't want to be patient. People want to just go with, with the, what's in right now. And RG3 was in as a rookie. And, mm-hmm. and you know, I, I stayed back on it. I stayed back on it. But, you know, as far as him being elite, when you say he possesses that elite quarterback, you know, potential, I really don't agree with that because, you know, okay, what, what really makes him, separates him is his ability to run. You know, as far as a passer, you know, he, he wasn't throwing a lot of picks in his rookie year. You know, he had... 20 touchdowns and five interceptions. Do you believe in his arm talent? No. No. Now, I'm not talking about his quarterback or pocket presence, just the ability to make NFL throws. No, 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 no consistently, no. I do not. Okay. I, do I don't agree with that, but go ahead. And as, Like this year, he threw 12 picks in 13 games, you know, and a lot of people place the blame on other people when he, he, he deserved it. Because, you know, he, he let certain people run his career and, and, and how he would play. He let that happen. 
so now you know his his mind state is all you know misconstrued because you know he let all this his his father his coach all this stuff just build up and blow up and he's trying to protect his brand instead mm-hmm. of his future you know he shouldn't even have a brand as after a rookie year you know because all these people jumped on him now he's this big marketing you know guy you know he's just you know, got all these endorsements, Subway, and all this other stuff. Like, man, give him some time. Give him some time before, you know, he has a lot to prove. He has oh, a, yeah. a lot. But for him to ever be considered elite, I don't I don't think he has the talent to be considered with the, with the Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, and, and the next, and Aaron Rodgers, and the next guy up, I really think is, you know, maybe uh, Philip Rivers or where Andrew Luck is going. Now, when I say, all right, that's why I kind of don't like the word elite. But what you're saying is that that top tier of quarterbacking. Now, I will agree with you right there that he might not be able to get into that category because those guys are special. And what they do is different. And you really have to have that from day one. Now, you can kind of look at the young guys right now and see the the separation as far as 100% ready because you got Andrew Luck, uh, Russell Wilson. uh, Well, Aaron Rodgers is probably, I guess, he's kind of in between in the generations. Now, I will say this. I say Matt Stafford might be closer to that. Much closer. (laughs) But I feel they have the same problem, and I think it really has to do with their coaching. It's the undisciplinedness and the coach not really playing to their strengths. Well, I'm not going to go too much into the Detroit situation, but... It seems to me that Detroit really didn't bring it when it came time to call the plays that would get Matthew Stafford into some easy situations. It always seems like he had to make plays with his arm and take some chances, almost in the vein of a Brett Favre, where you feel the quarterback has so much confidence in his arm, even if the throw is not really there and that window is real tight, they still going to try it. Yeah. And I feel it's the same thing for RG3, except it's with his athletic ability and his decision-making to compound it. See, if you got better decision-making, then he's going to think about being in the pocket or rolling out, thinking about the first and second read. But you really got to coach that into him. Yeah. So... I don't know. You could be right. He might not get there, but I see the potential. I know he can make most of the throws because you stay throwing a bomb to Pierre Garçon. Yes. So we're going to see. I'm going to keep my eye on it. We're going to talk about that again, especially closer to when the season starts, when they see what their weapons look like. I'll be ready. (laughs) Now we're getting up to the end right now. So we're going to talk a little Super Bowl. And I'm going to get you out of here on this. Uh, you just wrote an article not too long ago on Rant Sports about the Seahawks who needed to step up. 
couple of the guys on there I felt was nondescript, like Zach Miller, for example. I don't expect him to step up because I haven't seen him all season. And that's just my opinion on that one. Uh, you said Earl Thomas, and Earl Thomas is a great safety. Yeah. But I feel there's going to be more pressure on Cam Chancellor because just like in the NFC Championship game, he's going to be on the tight end. He's going to be holding Julius Thomas. If Julius Thomas gets held down by Cam Chancellor, Seahawks have a pretty good chance at winning that game. But I will say this. I agree with you on Bruce Irvin because he's a liability in uh, in run coverage because he's a speed guy. He's a rush guy. Golden Tate and Doug Baldwin, I'm going to throw them both in there together. You just had Golden Tate. I really think it's on both of them because it seems like they, don't on, they only make plays when – they absolutely need it. Yeah. There's nothing consistent about Golden Tate and Doug Baldwin to me. Not at all. I just see them every time it's third and nine, <laughs> fourth and seven. Yeah. You know, third and 12, 30 seconds. Oh, <laughs> Russell Wilson finds Doug Baldwin and makes a play. It's crazy. Yeah. I don't understand it. Yeah. Uh, out of those people I just named which one you think is most important besides the obvious of you know Russell Wilson and uh I don't know did you you purposely left Marshawn Lynch off as you're counting him that he's going to show up am I correct uh, I think he's going to show up and he has shown up in the playoffs okay Yeah. yeah he's I think he might be on pace to be one of the best playoff running backs ever yes but uh, out of those guys that I just mentioned, which which one you think is probably going to be most important besides Russell Wilson? Uh, really, I would say Earl Thomas. Uh, Earl Thomas is an excellent player. He really is. He's one of the best safeties in the league. But when you're going to get Peyton Manning, everything you've done before, you throw it out the window, especially in the Super Bowl. So in mm-hmm. a sense – Everybody on that defense and even the offense needs to step it up in a sense because you, you haven't faced a quarterback like this. This is Peyton Manning we're talking about. And Earl Thomas, you know, he's, he's been there for some good tackles, some big plays, a couple of deflections, no interceptions, you know, no really big. He has to be a game changer. He needs to be a game changer. He needs to protect that, that deep ball. He, need, he has to if the Seahawks defense are going to have a chance of stopping Peyton Manning, you know, because their offense is not, you know, they're good, but they're not consistent enough to, to win this game if the Seattle defense, you know, slips up. They have to be perfect. You know, Earl Thomas has to play his best game of his career. He has to force some turnovers. He has to be there every play. You know, if in the pile, if the play's over, you, you better be in that pile. You right. better, you know, just like same thing for Cam Chancellor. You know, he, he, you know, he made some big plays. But he needs to make even bigger ones, and he needs to be even more consistent on on uh, every play basis. Don't leave, don't even disappear for one play. If you let one go over the top, seven points might as well be 14 or 21 for Peyton Manning. Because if you slip up and your offense goes three and out or just hits gets a field goal, then Peyton Manning is going to flip that around the points. Oh, yeah. Are you concerned about 
Seattle's lack of offense of late? Uh, oh yeah, as um, you said, excluding Russell Wilson, but you know his 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 lack of big games over over the last you know he had a 215 yard game you know against the Niners, but prior to that you know he had about one game in the, in in about out of about six where he had over 200 yards. That's not going to get it done. That you're better than that. You know you're better than that on the ground. You're better than that through the air. Your, your 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 players are better than that. You know you luckily you have Marshawn Lynch to fall back on and, and break tackles mm-hmm. and get you these touchdowns when you need them the most. But if it came down to strictly Russell Wilson, do you really think you know he'll win a quarterback battle against you know Peyton Manning and even and even you know a half decent Broncos defense? No, I don't think so. Now, I'm thinking because I listen to people who watch film and I don't know if you heard Colin Kyle Hurd's uh, radio show this past Friday no but um you know, every Friday during the NFL season he had Greg Cosell from NFL Films come on okay Greg Cosell breaks down the film and he's been working there for like 30 years so one thing that dude know is football and he's basically saying that Russell Wilson's lack of offense is basically by design. Okay, I understand that. It's basically because Pete, Pete Carroll is playing ball for uh, for them to win the game, not give them the ball, not give them opportunities, keep the ball, and just run the offense and score points when they really need it. Yeah. And it's going to be interesting to see how they hold it down when they get with Peyton Manning in the Super Bowl and Peyton messes around and gets, you know, Demarius Thomas over the top and all of a sudden they got 14 and they need to get 14 uh, coming out of halftime. It's going to be real interesting. Yeah. So, um, hold on one second. All right. Okay, I'm good. Never mind. Uh, now, with all that said, are you ready to make a Super Bowl pick? Kinda. Uh, you want to <laughs> keep it under wraps till next week? You want to hold it or? Nah, because it's not going to change. It's a uh, it's a matter of me matter. It's a matter of me believing Peyton Manning will win this game, but there's just a side of me that is just really, really backing up Richard Sherman and the Seahawks because of all the, the negative publicity that they've received over the over the past week or so. Okay, so what's going on with them has put you on the Seattle bandwagon. It, it has me backing them up. I want Seattle to win, <laughs> but mm. I know not to go against Peyton Manning, so I'm just, you know, a split a split on it. But I, I want Seattle to win. And you okay. know, I'm, I'm gonna just say that. That's that's it, you know. I feel you on that. And I kinda want Seattle to win, but I kinda don't because they had knocked us out the playoffs two times. (laughs) But Russell Wilson is my man. I was loving him coming into the draft. I keep saying it, I end up saying it every podcast because I felt he was a first round pick. Yeah. But I knew everybody was gonna pass on him because he's short. And we're damn near the same height. So, <laughs> you know, I, I can relate to Russell Wilson a whole lot. Yeah, me too. 
But uh, we're gonna have to wrap this one up right here. It was uh, it was great talking with you, man. Yeah, man. Same here. We have to do this again real soon. Uh, tell the people where they can find you at, and uh, what do you, whatever you want to pump. All right, you can find me on Twitter at Mister M R Anderson zero three five. Like I like you said in the beginning of the show, I'm a writer for Rant Sports. You can find me at www.rantsports.com forward slash NBA forward slash author forward slash Brian Anderson. You can see all my articles, mostly Oklahoma City basketball stuff, San Diego Chargers. You know, just check me out. Give me a holler. It's all love. Don't come with no no hatred. <laughs> I'm, right. willing, I'm willing to show love back. All right, man. Well, I appreciate the time, man. It's this been is the Run Sports. This is a rundown. If you ain't know the deal, I bet you know now.